Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is another edition of the Unofficial 40, a uh, podcast that is taking the world by storm, as we appreciate everybody out there who's been listening. Uh, now we're set up on iTunes, on, on Google Play Store, uh, Stitcher, and then, of course, SoundCloud, if you get the SoundCloud app. Uh, I can't tell you guys how much we appreciate the uh, the audience just continues to grow week in and week out, and uh, last podcast was our biggest ever. Now we're back. With another full-size podcast, Josh McQuistian joins us from his home base in studio, Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall, along with myself. And uh, Josh, I know it was uh, kind of a busy weekend for you. You had uh, uh, the recruiting barbecue that seemed like just an overwhelming success. I know you talked to a lot of players after it was over, uh, but you also had to stay alive and stay away from hot air balloons in Austin with your boys all weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I, I guess I should just start this with a small apology. Like, I can't feel more poorly about the fact that, like, I wasn't able to be completely engaged. And I apologize to both you all and, you know, obviously all the people you should. listening. It's it just been, it was, that trip had been planned for, like, five months. And then I think I first got word about it about six weeks ago that OU was doing something. And then as you got closer and closer, I was like, man, these are going to be the same weekend. This is going to be a deal. And so, yeah, I mean, and you, you talked about the hot air balloon thing, and then there was a shooting on 6th Street literally wow. the night after we were there. We'd been down there the night before, and we didn't go down the last night we were in in town. Was it Kevin and Durant? What was that? No, was it Kevin no, Durant? No, Nobody not, not any word of that. You know, that... Although, like I said, I, I was with some very diehard Thunder fans. I mean, if, if that was the case, there could have been some... You know, some foul play suspected amongst the group I was with. I don't know if Kevin Durant has the uh, cojones to hold a gun, <laughs> let alone fire it. I like that he's just now that you know that OU fans just put up with you know having a Longhorn hero <laughs> that now they can just let loose finally. Oh, it's it's no holds bar. You should see this text group that I have uh, with some of my buddies from college. It's 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 very legendary. I hear about this text. I've been hearing about this text group for at least. God, how long have you been working with us now? Four or I mean, five years. The, is it's it it's intense. That's as long as it, ever since I've known you, and we've been going on road trips. I hear about this text message. You should see thing. it after games, after uh, poor performance or games. E- it's an email group, right? Yeah, but it's turned into a text oh, group. So, so. You've, you've advanced technologically. It's kind of weird that uh, we don't email that much anymore. I don't know about you, Joe, but my group of friends just don't email but anymore. But it started out as an email Yeah, it group. did. Yeah. yeah. Now, mostly just uh, like a group app, some sort of, you know, group text messaging app that they have out now, and you're all talking at once, and uh, I had one, I had one of those with my friends, and uh, a bunch of OU fans in there, and I got a message today where someone was complaining that OU got screwed because they were number two in the AP rankings. So, uh, I, I understand what Eddie's going through with his group. It's- well... It, it's, uh, you know, the barbecue, I mean, we got to talk about it. I mean, it was the first time that Oklahoma's done anything like that. Uh, it was, I got to admit, guys, it was a little odd seeing Bob Stoops out there running around laughing, having a good time. And uh, I know someone had sent me, someone on the inside, a, a former player had sent me the Bill Bedenboe pie fight thing, and they thought it was hilarious. And I thought, Oh my God! I hope that doesn't get out because it look. And then like Justin Broyles' mom is like sending out the full <laughs> video of it, and it just it looks so horrible when I saw it first. But then you realize that these guys are just letting loose and having a good time. But I don't think I've ever. I mean, we've seen coaches out in the wild recruiting and you know at satellite camps, but 
I've never seen that side of an OU coaching staff. Lincoln Riley was looking like he was having a good time, too. And uh, you were seeing tweets and stuff sent out where they're laughing and joking, and I think it was captioned with, if you only knew, which you know leaves the mind to wander, like what kind of stuff they're up to. And it just looked like a bunch of guys and having fun. It you know, looked, almost reminded me of uh, looking at the pictures of just hanging out with my friends when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, running around playing games, I think is what they were doing out on the field. So looked like they were all having a good time being young kids again. Well, Josh, I know, you know let's get down on the nuts and bolts of it. It, it wasn't... Uh, because of some guys that didn't show up, it wasn't quite the weekend. I know people were upset that certain guys didn't show up, but maybe you can get into that a little bit about you know you, you're hoping maybe Newton might be the you be able to flip him this week, last weekend. He doesn't show up. Uh, Akuda, which I don't understand how you're studying for a test on a Friday night. He's gonna uh, ace that thing. He, he, I hope he did. But Josh, just the the kind of the down uh, side of, of the event, the guys that didn't show up that that you were hoping maybe could come in and and be impressed by that weekend. Well, Kerry, you kind of talked about it in the lead in that uh, it seemed like everything went really well, and I kind of made a note of that in that first little po- post I put up on Sunday. Everybody's like, "Oh yeah, it went really well." Did it? Nobody showed up. And I'm like, man, it can be both ways. Like I can understand. The disappointment, you know, you miss out on guys like Kobe Boyce, Adrian Ely, uh, you mentioned Xavier Newman and Jeff Akuda. and yeah, sure, that stinks that those guys weren't there, but we talked about it last week in the podcast, that there weren't, you know, the 2017 class, I mean, I, I feel like that group, we kind of know what's going on there. I mean, like Newman, I, I feel like that visit happens eventually, and if it does, Oklahoma's in really good shape, and, and if it doesn't, if as it stands right now, I would feel like maybe OU said, "Okay, we got Marquise Hayes. Maybe we're going to rethink our numbers again on the offensive line, and just maybe go in a different direction." But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, if if it were to happen that that visit does not take place, I would feel like maybe OU cooled on him. So I, I don't think that's a huge deal. Akuda is going to be back in like six weeks for the biggest on-campus game in years, and then you throw in guys like Kobe Boyce, who. I think it's really debatable how serious he is about OU. I mean, a lot of the things he says... He's on Twitter cheering on other commits for Texas and things like that. Yeah, yeah. but when you're pushing for UT to land more guys, it's, you know, to me, it feels like class envy. Like, he's like, well, man, what OU's got going is really good. It's kind of tough for him to ignore, especially from a place that is, you know, frankly, closer to Norman than it is to Austin. So, and, and Adrian Ely talked to him today. They're supposed to come down either this week or next, CNOU practice. He'll get a lot of one-on-one time with Beaton Bow and the whole coaching staff. I don't think – I just don't think any of those are that big of a deal. But at the same time, the guys who were there, uh, Taquan Graham, you know, we've talked a lot about Kenneth Murray since the visit weekend. That went very well. And then you move on to 2018. Everybody I've talked to just loved it, thought it was a really good time, and talked about exactly what you said earlier, that – it was a kind of a unique experience to be around the players and the coaches in a very relaxed environment where everybody's just kind of playing around and being themselves. Josh, everything you just said reminded me of a quote from John Wooden. Things work out best for those who make the best of how things work out. That's old man Josh. I feel like Josh might actually have uh, a calendar with like quotes on it that he rips off every day. <laughs> With no, with no judgments one way or the it's other. Toilet, I just, it's I, toilet paper. I feel I know. like Didn't they have those? Motivational quote toilet yeah. paper? Or oh, not, yeah. not motivational. That's not very soft. Not toilet paper, but like calendars and stuff. Didn't well, they there have? was a whole store devoted to that, like yeah. in the 80s accessories. Okay. It was, and there was like one those. that was, there was a Garfield one. That's true, there was. That had like I think that morphed into like the Franklin Organizer store or something like that, or maybe Mardell's. I, don't I think know. I had like an ESPN one, and it had like a sports fact every day or something. Josh, then, Josh just painted a rainbow on, <laughs> on the guys that didn't show up, though. I love that. I mean, well, wh- what about it's with... It's not the end of the world. People well, and, and like, did I hear that... so reactionary didn't these, Newton, like singular things. Didn't Newton come out and say publicly like he was coming back up, or maybe he told us that he was... He was scheduled to come back up soon, or now you've called him Newton twice. Now we got to get this right. People are going to get confused, and you know we, we want you to stay on top of your game. It's Newman. Newman. Why am I thinking of Xavier? I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, Cowboys offensive lineman Nate Newton. Nate Newton. Nate Newton. All right. Because that, that would just, be newsworthy. We were just talking about you know the 
it's it's Nate Newton is heavy on my mind because someone was telling me the story the other day uh, after the penis pic came out for Draymond Green about how Nate Newton was famous uh, and he had a big old mule dong and he was famous for walking in in front of TV cameras when they were in the locker room. <laughs> that's all. Awesome. It's that's ingrained in my mind. There's a. I was watching, Newman, not Newton. Okay. Visante Shenko had a very similar moment while I was watching live, and I, I believe a person, uh, one of my friends, had a team in our fantasy football league the next year that was Visante Shenko's penis. So, uh, you know, Josh has had his own brush with naked greatness. Oh God, that'll live. That that scarred me. You know, it's not- we uh, one of the rivals conventions when rivals was still based out of Nashville. It was when Jason White was a, it was the year he was quarterback on the Titans. Uh, so we go in the locker room afterwards. It's the first time I think either one of us had been in an NFL locker room. And so they let you in right when guys are done with their showers or finishing off in their showers. So you're seeing a lot of naked people. Like, and that was, you remember, we went because Rocky Kalmus was on that team. Uh, Jason uh, White. Wolfolk. Well, I was going to save best for last. Jason White was yeah. on that team. And then Andre Wolfolk was on that team. And so... I go over to interview Jason White, and I'm standing by his locker with everybody else. And I was, we were having, we actually, I actually told my boss this story at the radio station the other day, Josh, uh, about you. And, oh, great, great. And so I'm standing over there waiting for Jason White. He's coming out of the shower, and I, I get the feeling like, okay, so you're in the NFL. You're you're comfortable knowing that you're among media, and you, you things are just out swinging in the in the wild in the open. Because it's like, you don't know those people. They don't know people you know. You're not going to talk about what they look like naked. But it was like, as soon as Jason White saw me, he like froze and like wrapped himself up real quick. <laughs> because I, I think there's a big difference in when you're naked in front of a dude that knows people that you know and deals with people that you deal with. It's not cool. Like, it's just not. But if it's a random reporter guy that works for an NFL you know, TV station or something, it's fine because he doesn't know any of your buddies. But, so anyway, Jason White kind of freaks out a little bit. He probably hates it. I tell the story all the time too, Josh. Uh, So I look over and I'm interviewing Jason White and I kind of sneak over to see what Josh is doing. And Josh is standing, he's, I can't remember if you're sitting down or standing up. Let's hope I was standing up. But he had a microphone because it was like my old mini disc recorder that had a microphone with it. So he has to hold the microphone out with his arm while Andre Wolfolk is standing there with his leg propped up on a bench (laughs) like he's Captain Morgan with his hands on his hips, completely naked, just answering questions from Josh. And I could just see the look on Josh's face of horror. It was the, it's was still to this day one of the greatest moments of my life. It, you just can't, you're just not, like you said, you're not prepared for it. Like you walk in and you know it. Like I knew it was going to happen. You know, I, I was, God, Carrie, at that point, I was what, like mid 20s, late 20s? I mean, that was, that was a while ago. And I, I had just never been in that environment, and I was like, "This is this is a little much, man." It was kind of shell shock. But it's funny we're having this conversation. Uh, Sunday, I'm driving home, and I hear um, one of the ESPN Sunday broadcasts, and it's it's Kate. I can't remember the girl's last name. She's one of their Sunday dry or kind of afternoon shows. That Kate Bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is, and she's talking about kind of like rating how you know when you work in. She's done you know some NBA, some baseball. Some football was kind of rating the guys like who were the most flamboyantly just don't give a crap. She's like NBA guys, it's really nice. So it's a small team. It's kind of a small locker room, and so guys are usually pretty respectful. You know, they usually have a towel or something. She goes, baseball, it's a little shakier. You know, those guys they, they'll kind of mess with you. They they seem like they're trying to just kind of, uh, I guess, just bother you. And then she goes, the NFL guys, they just don't care. They just don't care at all. And you know, and that's kind of. I went back to that moment just a little bit, and I was like, oh, I, I couldn't. I mean, I wasn't ready, but now this is my on-air therapy. But we had to do the, the – Eddie, you were there for the uh, Orange, Orange Bowl, Bowl yeah. at 08, and it was an open locker room. Did it last year, too. Yeah, it was bad last year, too. But they, the college guys kind of meet you halfway. They, they at least cover themselves up going into the shower, and it, it kind of almost feels like it's still kind of like a high school atmosphere in there, and just in that they'll meet you halfway – 
you know, you cover do have, themselves up. No matter what, you find that you have some exhibitionists. Yeah, there there are some. That just sounds like it would ruin my day. Like if I see a penis, my day is just not going to be a good day. I know. I, I I just typed in Draymond Green Snapchat and I saw the penis and it was just like it turned my stomach. I don't think I ate food the rest of that day. I had you had to look though. You had to at least find the Snapchat, didn't you? I mean, I did. I, I guess I have that personality. Yeah. Like if you tell me, yeah, if you tell like I had this guy I worked with named LP Pinnell one time and he. Went to a Texas Tech football game, and he was Fine. tailgating with his Panther. buddy. Maybe I... Oh, he's a PC North guy? Yeah. Maybe I sent this to you, Eddie. But somehow he ended up in a uh, somebody's backyard that they were having a party. And they had like one of those plastic swimming pools on mm-hmm. the ground. And up above it was a goat hanging by its neck. They were going to cook goat. Oh, my God. And in order to... Uh, get rid of the goat or make it into meat a guy was standing there with a samurai sword and lp pinnell sat there and videoed as the guy beheaded the goat with a samurai sword in the guy's backyard where was this at this was in lubbock eh. before texas tech game and he sent it to me and told me what it was he, he didn't even tell me what it was he just said, hey, you've got to watch this. And I could tell, like, when I started watching it, first off, it was bad. Like, something bad was going to happen. Because the goat is like, <laughs> I mean, it's going nuts. And it's it's writhing and trying to get, because it's basically hanging. And I knew what was going to happen, and I could not turn away. I'm just one of those personalities. I couldn't turn away. Yeah. I'll... But I didn't send that to, like, a bunch of people, like that jackass did to me. Why does it not surprise me of all places? LP Pinnell, who used to work for us for a little bit, yeah, part time. I don't, I don't chop the heads off of goats. I'm sorry. Nobody. It's disgusting. Who would do that? But I'm saying, if you give me a video and say, "There's this guy chopping a guy's a goat a, a goat's head off with a samurai sword," well, the samurai sword is what makes it right. Like if it was just like chopping the head off a goat, it's like, come on, man. I don't need. It. But the samurai sword is what. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to see like you draws know, me in. Tyson chicken beheading chickens or however they do chickens. I don't want to see that. But with a samurai sword. And my watch. We're all going to be in trouble after this. It's a good thing there's no regulations on podcasts. So anyway, back to the I like the direction it was headed, though. (laughs) Back to... Pull it out of the gutter. Naked people, Draymond Green, goat beheadings. That's going to be the the subject title of this podcast. Uh, So back to the barbecue. Josh, what it... I think what it did do is you know the guys that were there that weren't committed the younger guys it had to help with everybody as well as it went didn't it yeah it really did you know i mean you talk about kenneth murray obviously is the guy that i think oklahoma fans have to feel pretty good about he's going to announce next week i'll be there uh, he hasn't set up the official time and everything but it's expected to be a week from tomorrow so hopefully he's not going to we'll- pledge to his own high school the, oh wow. Yeah, we, wow! That could take a whole podcast to talk about how awful that was. But we'll have to come back to that for everybody that's that's thinking about what you're talking about. Um, no, but yeah, with, with Kenneth Murray, guy, good edge rusher. I, I think has some ability to move inside. If Oklahoma, I think the thing they like about him is that he gives them the ability to okay. You know, if we get some outside linebackers, maybe we can talk him into kicking inside. And if not, he's perfectly good outside, and that they'll be fine and kind of move forward in that direction. So he kind of, if they can land him, he gives the class at linebacker some flexibility. I think they'll like. Uh, Taquan Graham is a guy that from Temple, Texas, obviously the Austin area, and so a lot of people have just kind of written him off to Texas, but. I think Calvin Thibodeau's done a really nice job with him, got him to come up, came up with his family. And I think from what I understand, I haven't talked with Graham at much length yet, just kind of uh, just trying to kind of set something up, really. And it seems like things went very well. He liked the trip. Norman surprised him a little bit. And kind of like what we talked about, you know, where he really kind of liked getting to see the other side of the coaching staff and being around the, uh, the Sooner Squad 17 guys. I think there was just a really natural kind of fit for him, and being a you know a Texas guy, he can see all those Texas guys headed to OU and how good that class looks right now. You've mentioned that twice now, Josh, about uh, Kobe Boyce and now to Con Graham, the idea of that Sooner Squad 17, uh, it being a drawing attraction for Oklahoma, not just Oklahoma, not the facilities, not the new stadium, not the history and tradition, but the current class there is drawing people in, and I think that's something that when people 
complained in the past that Oklahoma wasn't getting off to these hot starts, and we all kind of said, well, it's okay, they're getting their guys late. This is kind of what they were missing before, this idea that, that there's an, a group to join, there's a movement to be a part of, and kids are going to want to do that. And uh, I, I think that that's kind of what they're continuing to build for 2018. They're already off to a start, and they've already offered four guys in their own state for that class, for crying out loud. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I think this is, you know, we, we've talked about it for weeks and weeks. You know, when OU gets momentum and they can sell things beyond just the, you know, we always talk about, well, yeah, okay, OU's got great facilities. OU's got great history. So do all the schools, uh, you know, on that elite level that they're going to be recruiting against. Texas, USC, you know, LSU. All those schools have great things to offer. But if Oklahoma can differentiate themselves a little bit, make themselves special in a way, then that's how you start to get things like this. And everybody sees that Oklahoma is just head and shoulders above the rest of the Big 12 in recruiting right now. And guys want to be part of those special classes because those are the classes that don't only win conference championships, they go win national championships. Josh, I wanted to ask you too about, uh, you talked about Newman, uh, and he, didn't, he couldn't make it and that you think he's going to come back in a few weeks. But one thing that might factor in there is Logan Robertson has really been turning heads at center uh, since he's come in from Hera, if he continues to show that the coaches can rely on him for the next four years and Newman kind of continues to drag his feet, is there a chance that OU just says, look, all right, we're, we're, not, we're not even going to push this anymore. We're going to stop playing this game. Is that, is that at all a possibility? Oh, I wouldn't rule anything like that out just because, I mean, this stuff is also fluid. I mean, there's been so many times when something was just written in stone and, well, that's the way that's going to be, and then it just didn't turn out that way. But, I mean, you look at it, you know, it, it, you consider – Okay, Logan Roberson. You say he'll probably redshirt this year. Well, you have Jonathan Alvarez, who will be a senior next year. You have a guy like Alex Dalton, who can clearly play center. Bennett Powers can probably move in and do that role. And then you have Logan Roberson, who's a freshman next year. You know, so again, assuming he redshirts. And if they really like what they see of him, and that's, you know, like you, Eddie, Carrie, you know, you've all told me that's there's some buzz around him right now. And of course, I just love that I'm going to have egg on my face if he does turn out to be the great player that you know we're all hearing about. Um, but it, it's really – it's a possibility, but I, I think that's interesting when you kind of talk about a week ago he or two weeks ago he was the take and Hayes was a pass, and that's what I'm talking about. It's all so cyclical. Things move around and move fast. And so, sure, if they felt really good about Roberson you know, a, a week or two into uh, fall practice here – Sure, they could definitely move on from Newman. Now, maybe they just choose to allocate that somewhere else. They go after another tackle or do something. You know, they still keep the basic numbers, but maybe they don't see the need at center that they see now. Uh, it was also, he didn't come up for the barbecue, but he, he has been through the last couple of days. Anthony Hines uh, made a trip to Norman and then uh, up to Stillwater as well. I'm kind of curious on Hines because he seems to be open to just about everybody. Uh is he maybe a guy that might make an off-the-beaten-path decision? That wouldn't shock me. Hines has been a guy that's done a great job, man. He stayed pretty hard to read. I think everybody kind of has. I definitely think the popular guest right now is Oklahoma, but I think anyone saying, you know, oh, boy, I feel locked in about him, I, I, I don't know that. I, I haven't heard anybody of the people I trust and people that I think really know what they're talking about say, yeah, that's, that's for sure. So – to me, I don't think there's any position that's going to be more interesting over the next month than linebacker. You know, you've got Hines. There's a lot of talk he may be deciding soon. You got Addison Gums, the linebacker from California, who has been rumored to be deciding this week. And I asked him about it, and he he just kind of said, "I'm not sure." He didn't. He certainly didn't deny it. And then we talked about Kenneth Murray too. So yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of moving parts at linebacker right now. But with Hines. I think I, I if you made me pick, I think it's going to come down to OU or A and M. So really, not that far off the beaten path. But I do, you know, Texas is. But still But you don't see like just there. because he goes to Stillwater every time he comes to Norman, like maybe that could be, you know, something kind of in his back pocket that he could pull out. Like it's definitely OSU. possible. And for me, Hines feels like a guy, you know, and he's going to graduate early. So that's some of what is going into this maybe early decision. But the question for me is with him, you know, like. Does he commit and then it's done? Or does he want to keep taking his official visits? Because I know, talking to a few different schools and a few different staffs, there's definitely a feeling of, what else do you need to see? I mean, you know, there, there's kind of a, 
he, you know, several schools, he's been here about 15 times. I mean, that kid's been taking visits since he was a sophomore in high school. He's been everywhere a lot. Yeah. And I mean, even at some before, point, you know what you need to know. I, I mean, that's what, I mean, even before, you know, when he came to the Rivals five star before his junior year, his dad, he and his dad drove to Baltimore just so they could go to all these different schools on the way up. So, I mean, there's probably not a kid that is more traveled that has been to more schools than Anthony Hines. If that kid commits somewhere and then still isn't sure about it, I don't know that he's ever going to be sure about a school. Well, I mean, even if even if he turns into like, I mean, what what are the odds he could be like an Anthony Wallace from a few years ago? That somebody that just looks like, for all intents and purposes, this is going to be an Oklahoma uh, commitment and signee one day, and then as the longer and longer it drags out, the more. People start to get used to the idea that Anthony they, Wheeler. Are we talking about? No, I was talking. Yeah. Wait, I was talking about uh, yeah, Anthony Wallace. Okay, from uh, Skyline that went to Oregon. Oh, okay. You know what? You know what's really funny? You guys are talking about. You're both talking about correct players. Anthony Wallace was a few years before Anthony Wheeler was a couple years ago. Both from Skyline, both linebackers. Man, so well done there, to both of there you. There might be something there now. Wheeler was mm-hmm. the one I saw that went to Texas, right? Joe and I have yep. a special yep. connection. Yep. There might be something in the cosmos about Anthony linebackers from Texas that just They kinda... both suck. They didn't get a... <laughs> <laughs> Is Eddie actually lighting up a cigarette as he said that, or was he, you know... Not inside. Okay. <laughs> inside is mine. By the way, Josh, can you keep snapping at your dogs throughout the podcast? That That's awesome. Well... It really adds to it. Yeah, well, I thought... I can that hear her... the collar clicking. <laughs> exactly. I thought I'm like trying to get her to knock it off without like screaming through the podcast. That seemed like a bad idea. I so, think, yeah, no, know. I think that'd be awesome. That's why I bought mm-hmm. you the good microphone. I mean, just, we picked just, up your dog. Just unleash hell on my poor Labrador. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, okay, so other than that, I mean, coming down the 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 pike here, what, uh, what, what is there to look for in the next couple of weeks? I know you, you mentioned some possible commitments and and you'll be there covering those yeah you know like we talked about kenneth murray i think next week anthony hines addison gums those guys are all people you need to keep an eye on so really i don't think there's any position that's a little more unclear right now well maybe defensive line but at linebacker there's definitely a lot of question marks right now and those could get answered in the next few weeks. I mean, that, that's really kind of what it looks like. Even if maybe all those guys don't end up at OU, you start to have an idea of, okay, Oklahoma's going to have to turn their attention here. And I keep forgetting the guy that we've been talking about for a month now is Caleb Von Shashan. There's a lot of feeling that he's going to decide before the season starts. So it's entirely possible that Oklahoma could, for, uh, for the most part, have its linebacker recruiting done before they kick off with Houston on September 3rd. So that's, I mean, that's kind of what this looks like. Now, I don't think those will all go their way. I, I think they're in very good shape with Kenneth Murray. If Anthony Hines decides soon, I think Oklahoma's in pretty good shape there. And Caleb on Shashan feels like more and more of kind of a Houston OU battle. And it's just a matter of kind of choosing, you know, staying close to home or going a little farther away to a bigger program. But yeah, I, I think that's going to be interesting. And I still think there's a lot of buzz on Cameron Rising, the quarterback from California, the 2018 that visited a few weeks ago. I still continue to hear that he's a guy that Oklahoma thinks could commit almost at any point. So, I mean, if he did it tomorrow, I don't think anybody's shocked. If it, it takes three weeks, I don't think anybody's shocked. But I do think he's getting closer and closer to a decision. And right now, I think Oklahoma would be that choice. That's kind of uh, that's big news, Josh. I mean, there are... Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but there are many people that think he's the top quarterback in the country next year, right? Out of California? He's definitely in that conversation. I think there are a few guys that maybe some people like a little more. Um, I'm going to blank on the kid. There's one kid in uh, specifically that I think we already have as a five-star. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to end up messing up on his name and forget who the kid is. But yeah, I mean, he's in that conversation for sure. And I honestly... I think we've got him as like a 5'9", and right. to me that's just entirely too low. I, I think he is a potential five-star, and, and clearly in the conver- – Matt Corral is the kid, a kid committed to USC, also from California. But uh, th- And that's kind of the nice part for OU here is they get to go into Southern California and compete for an elite quarterback, and they don't have to mess with USC. USC is going somewhere else. They've already got their guy, and they can focus on this kid. And there's nobody in the Pac-12 – that OU can't beat in this particular fight. So they, they've got to feel pretty good about that situation. 
And, you know, obviously Arizona State, where his brother is, they're very real contenders. UCLA, the hometown school, you know, you understand where he would have a pull there. But Oklahoma definitely is in a very good spot. And he kind of has hinted at that maybe OU leads, but hasn't yet really come out and said it. Let me let me make sure we're clear on this. Okay, so uh, Caleb Anshashan, Kenneth Murray, those are those would be Mike Stoops guys. Those would be outside guys. Then you got yeah. uh, Phillips, uh, Hines, and Browning that basically are the big dogs left that would be like Kish, inside linebacker guys. I think with Browning, it kind of depends on how you see him. I, I, I could see him He's playing outside. He's big enough to be an outside guy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He could do that, but at the same time, I mean, he's so <laughs> – He's I mean, he's quite guys, a bit—he's quite a bit like. bigger than than even Murray is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, now I should say, from what I understand, when I see Murray at the press conference, that'll be the first time I've seen him with my own eyes. So I know what he's listed at, and it's about six two two ten. Where I think we've got Browning listed at like six three two twenty, and boy, when we saw him in Dallas, I he's thought he was thick. more like six four. I mean, he's—he's yeah. he's big, and so you know, like I said. I, Browning's one of those guys that I, I don't care. Just get him on the field. Like I, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. And I know our guy Jaw sitting there listening, and he's rolling his eyes. He's seen him in person, and he doesn't like him. But that kid is. I, I, I don't know. For me, at this point, I think it's him and Akuda are the top two players in the state, and Marvin Wilson's just a hair behind. I would be surprised if there's a better linebacker group than we saw at the rivals camp with Browning and the rest of that Phillips crew. And, yeah. I mean. That was that was a really impressive and Tyler, physically. And Tyler Taylor didn't even participate that much with some injuries yeah, that's right. out there. Somebody got we, have, we haven't even talked about first that first thirty minutes. Right. So that's a very uh, a lot of moving parts in the linebacker situation for OU right now. Which it could be uh, could be Kish time. Time to time to tell everybody if, to suck it. If Kish hauls in like three four stars in this class, does he adopt the Jay Norvell cigar? I think he should. I think he adopts whatever he wants to adopt. Takes a couple of shots and tweets it out. I am, I am, I am all for if he wants to send us a penis pic just to be posted on Sooner Scoop to all his detractors. <laughs> I'll you, do it for him. Do you think Bob Stoops would retweet that? Because he can now. Well, I guess it wouldn't have mattered. I don't think. Well, no. if the, the recruits could send it out <laughs> on behalf of Kish, and then Bob could retweet it, that would be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and even. Me, you know, I've been pretty critical of uh, of the linebacker recruiting. I think, uh, you know, several guys from the Rivals Network could say the same. But if he goes out and lands a big time class, man, you you know, you just got to tip your hat. That's that's you know. Now, people will say, well, that's what you're supposed to do at Oklahoma. But to go out and land a group, you know, like they're looking at right now, a couple of 100 guys, a couple more 250 guys at linebacker. I mean, say what you want about you know the classes beforehand Brent Venables didn't have many classes like that and we all know he was a you know dynamic recruiter okay uh I want to just kind of wrap up the recruiting part because Josh we want you to hang around a little bit and talk some big 12 expansion stuff with this uh but just overall guys anything else you wanted to hit on with recruiting before uh we I mean obviously fall camp's getting ready to start uh guys are getting ready to start their high school stuff so I can't imagine that there's going to be some you know new wave of kids coming on campus a lot more than than usual other than local kids i mean i'm sure justin broyles will be at every practice he possibly this is, can this is kind of that week where they open practice and you'll get kids in coming in this weekend yeah. and then next weekend it's all high school stuff did, did we talk about the uh, patrick fields offer at all did that no we we didn't uh and we didn't talk about he, i guess he got offered was it yesterday or today by osu today they, today yeah. by osu yeah uh yeah, he uh, he basically he's visited. Uh, he's got a Tulsa offer and an Arkansas State offer, but he visited TCU. They sent him an offer. He visited OU uh, last Friday for the barbecue week, and they gave him an offer. And he visited Stillwater, and OSU gave him an offer. Um, and I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, uh, actually pretty in depth, uh, about the OU offer and what it meant to him. And uh, I think it's something that OU fans have to feel positive about. He he went to OU for the barbecue weekend with his grandpa, who uh, he he said was a diehard OU fan and that they were both just speechless when they got the offer um, and that he loved OU. And uh, he, w he would say things like, you know, I'm going to take my visits, I'm going to take my time. And then he would always qualify it with, but I, I'm feeling OU right now. So I think it's a situation that I think somebody on the board said, uh, is it a, um, it's a if not when? And I told him that, yeah, I, I couldn't argue with that. I think that's a pretty fair assessment after talking with Patrick 
um, who, like I, as I mentioned earlier, is now the fourth 2018 in-state offer with Bray Walker and Casey Thompson at Southmore and Josh Proctor at Owasso. So Oklahoma getting off to an early in-state start, and I think Patrick Fields is somebody that they'll that will probably join Bray Walker sooner rather than later, if I had to guess. The only thing that worries me about that with Fields is, like you said, he didn't have a lot of offers. Then OU is his first big offer, then OSU, then TCU. You get a little offer drunk at that point, and you kind of want to know what else what else is out there for me. You know, could I get a an Alabama offer? You know, and I, yeah, I think it would be great if he did that on a motion and committed Oklahoma. But that you also don't want an in-state kid like that, you know, decommitting. And, and looking elsewhere because all these other offers start flooding in. The coaching staff kind of fought that a little bit with Will Sunderland, didn't they? He didn't really know how big he was until he, he got the Ohio State offer, and then that kind of elevated things. It definitely changed things for him, you know, and that he was a kid that I think was probably always going to end up at OU, but I, I think at that point he was kind of like, whoa, you know, I, I'm kind of a national guy. I think he, and I think Will always thought of himself that way but I don't know that he really believed other people saw him that way you know coaches and that kind of thing and I think that was kind of when his eyes opened that he was you know maybe a difference maker uh I I should say this has been my luck uh there's something about Tulsa safeties uh Eddie because Eddie has done all these tours with me he can he can remember all this stuff we went to see Stephen Parker and Stephen Parker ran offense today. We went to see him at Jinx. OU offers him a few days later. This year we go to Tulsa Union. I had to leave early because it was game three of the Western Conference Finals. My buddy had gotten us tickets. And so I had to leave about half an hour before Union completely wrapped up. So Fields is one of the guys I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to. And then we go by Owasso later in that same week. And they had changed practice schedules on me, and I didn't get to see Josh Proctor. So safeties in the Tulsa area, if you're looking for an OU offer, make sure I cannot see your practice. There, there's something to this where if I don't see you work out, it seems to go really well for your recruiting. Something tells me, though, it'll work out just fine for Daxon Hill. Yeah, yeah, that guy's a monster. That, that Eddie, I don't know. I, I'm trying, you know, that day we watched him, I can't think of seeing a young defensive back that I thought was better. I mean, he, he especially at safety with his size, all the stuff he can. I mean, he's he's got a chance to be like a top fifty kid in the country. Really, Jackson Hill's awesome. Really good basketball player too. Got a lot of hops, so you can see that transfer too when he plays cornerback. He's a springy kind of guy. Very, very, very athletic. When we saw him at OU's camp. By the way, one th- one quick thing to touch on uh, the uh, social media rules changing. I'm just now looking up Bob Stoops' account. He still has not jumped into the game of RTing or uh, liking anyone's you know tweets out there. I you know they can share on Facebook, but I, I mean that seems kind of stupid. Like none of those coaches are following fans on Facebook. Like I know because Bob Stoops' number is in my phone. It always brings up you should be friends with Bob Stoops on Facebook, and I'm just like no, I don't know, I don't want to do that. Uh, but and it's like. I just it's not a fan type thing on Facebook, but guys, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I know Jay Bulware, Bill Biedenboe, uh Tim Kish was even out doing some yeah. of that on the staff. Uh, I'm, I'm blocked by Kel Gundy, so I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, guys, just guys, your thoughts on uh, you know this new rule change and and what do you guys think about? It? I I think this is the best way to put it. Assistant coaches. They should be out doing it. They should be doing it a lot, yeah. probably. Guys like Bob Stoops, that's beneath him. That's so far beneath Bob Stoops to retweet someone. Yeah. Like it should be only for loser head coaches like Bush Jones. <laughs> and there's a zero percent chance that Bob there was Stoops some anyway. Eddie anger going in somebody's direction with there, that comment. He's he's above that. He doesn't need to be retweeting or even liking people. I don't think assistants need to be doing I mean, these guys I mean, we all follow it. We know how busy a schedule these guys have. I mean they still have families. I mean, we all work really hard. Those guys work twice as hard as we do. I mean, when the hell do these guys have a chance to just relax a little bit? And, yes, I know most of those guys are going to have interns, and especially the head coaches are going to have interns doing it. But, I I mean, I, I guarantee you that the, most of the assistants on the OU staff are going to be the guys liking and retweeting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's it's. I mean, Joe, you've been around the program a lot more, you know, working with Sooner Sports and stuff. I mean, you know kind of how... 
how how those guys are with media demands and you know all the things that they've got to navigate besides just being coaches. I mean, I, all I can say, probably from OU's perspective, is thank goodness they have this new crop of young coaches coming in when this rule broke because yeah. I, I don't think anybody younger. from that old guard or younger anybody from that old guard would really be excited or gung ho about this. And I, I mean, maybe you know. I don't think anybody in the new staff's really really excited to be out retweeting and favoriting. It's probably just a new aspect of their job that they have to do. But I mean, you'll you'll have Chip Viney and Lincoln Riley carrying the torch, and Dennis Dennis Simmons and Kilkenny out there. I don't know if there. Chip Viney can like and retweet, or is it uh, just the nine staff members? Why would that be a distinction? Because he's a GA, and now all of a sudden he can't. Well, he's a quality court quality control, control guy right, now, yeah. so. I don't know. That's something I need to check into. Eddie's got a smirk on his it face. Would have been like, yeah, it just would have been really funny to hear the story of somebody, some assistant telling or uh, intern telling Jackie Ship to retweet <laughs> someone. They couldn't even get him on the recruiting trail to actually recruit humans, let alone retweet a kid. You might have liked that. I mean, you might have gotten Justin Manning <laughs> if he could have just sat around and, and just DM'd him all night. On his mouse. Yeah. I, and I think coaches should be wary. Of, if you have tweet deck, there's that activity column and you yeah. can see what you're liking over there. And sometimes you see a like come through and you're like, hold on. That hood. That's public homes. We got hacked by tweet deck. It's really weird. They, they hacked into my account. I started following oh, yeah, I think all kinds of weird people and retweeting weird people. <laughs> and I looked on I looked on the the activity on my app and it said like Russia, Czechoslovakia. I mean, I don't even know if Czechoslovakia exists anymore, but like Afghanistan. So yeah, it was all through tweet decks. So I, I think I remember that. There. I remember that. I was sitting at home one night and you started following like it was, 30 I was Chinese in, characters. I was in Dallas with my family for Fourth of July fireworks. That's, that's right. Yeah, and I started following, you know, Abby the Arab somewhere. I mean, it was ridiculous. I thought we were just getting some big funding, some backers from some international places. So I was getting <laughs> pretty excited. Driving Lambos soon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Go to Dubai. But, you know, I can, I can only imagine what it would be like if somebody went into Bobby Jack's, you know, office and said, uh, hey, coach, you need to start liking and retweet. What the hell's a like and a retweet? Conway Twitty do that? He would not have done any of that. I bet he still has a flip phone, to be honest. I think he's still on Twitter. I think he does have a flip phone. He did have a Conway Twitty ringtone on it. He was very proud of it. He paid a dollar ninety nine to somebody for that. So anyway, but I mean, it is. I think it's ridiculous. I think eventually they will go back and say, "Okay, this rule is stupid. We don't need to do this." Uh, and the fans are. I the funny thing I find about it, a lot of fans are up in arms, like, "Oh, this is stupid." Now my timeline sucks. Coaches aren't on there for the fans. They're on the if if it didn't have anything to do with recruiting, coaches would have nothing to do with Twitter. That's a cold hard fact you could probably put to a lot of things. If if they didn't have to be doing it, <laughs> they wouldn't be doing if they it. They didn't have to do autograph signing, yeah, day, like they wouldn't do it. Saturday morning when they're smiling at you, they don't want to be there. They don't want to see you. And they hate your kid. That's Eddie Radosovich at cold, Eddie underscore Rado. I do have some pretty sweet pictures from uh, OU uh, from signing days past that I will uh, tweet out here later on. Like Like when the guy was carrying around the football couch, the football helmet couch, getting everybody to sign? No, of me. Oh, okay. At Sooner Days. I just remember Sam Bradford's big uh, uh, signing day, the uh, uh, autograph day. it It was when they had it over at the rugby fields. And the line went from the rugby fields all the way around the soccer field. <laughs> and there was this dude with a gigantic football helmet couch that was made out of fiberglass. And he was lugging it around. So, like, every time the line would move, he would have to pick it up and move it. And then he'd sit in it, wait for the line to move again. But, like, the Sam Bradford line was the well, it was all quarterbacks. And it was just ridiculous. But I'm glad it's just kids. And yeah. I'll say this. You don't need to go. I mean, I don't know. I guess if it makes your kids' day, that's a good thing. Yeah, the, kid, the kids are fine. But and trust me, the players don't hate the kids like yeah. Eddie isn't. No, the coaches day. do, not the players. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. They told you this? Maybe that's something we could do. Someone send us a picture of a coach looking the grumpiest at a fan day, and they get a free well, I month guarantee or something. Jackie Ship hated the kids. Unmarried, no kids. Absolutely. It'd be like if you put me in a line for four hours out in 100 degree heat and had me sign autographs for just kids. At least they do it like underneath the stadium now, and it's it's kind of coordinated to where, I mean, I can't wait for the podcast comments on this to roll in. 
You'd be so lucky as to help somebody have your autograph, you sons of bitches. That's yeah. a fair point, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't use the redneck voice because that is a valid. I always, I always say that I'm going to go out there on Saturday morning to uh, try and like interview the weirdest person out there, and I might have to do it now this year. You might end up oh, yeah. interviewing someone that has kidnapped a child just to get autographs. How cool would that be to break an amber alert? <laughs> Scoop HD. <laughs> With the breaking news. You could go live on all the channels. Maybe we can get maybe we can get Jolene Cheney to help us out with that. She wants nothing to do with you. Probably or any not. of us. Probably not. Plus I've heard she's crazy. All right. Uh Big Twelve expansion. Wanna talk a little bit about that. I, the biggest story coming out yesterday, right after I got off the radio show. Uh, from John Orand, Sports Business uh, News or Daily. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Daily. Coming out with a, an article saying that ESPN and Fox are pushing back against the Big 12, which they believe is just trying to make a money grab by getting two and four teams that are going to dilute the conference, water it down. And I I posted on... on so somebody brought up some article that some slappy wrote about how the article's wrong, that Fox wants more television from some website I've never heard of, bcsnn.com or something. Like, if you can't if you can't say... If your website's an acronym, just quit. It's like the fans that tag me and stuff that they've wrote, and it's like, well, I don't think I'm going to Okay, let's that. not... Okay, we've already ripped on children. Let's not rip on the fans. He's on a roll right now. <laughs> So much anger and hate, <laughs> spit and fire. But I, you know, it is really interesting because, and Josh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. I think the Big Twelve, you know, th those presidents and athletic directors get together, and there's no one that they're really bouncing these things off of. Like, oh well, well you know, everyone knew that Cincinnati and UCF and USF are terrible teams to add. Houston is a terrible team to add. When you're talking about the Big 12 that had A&M and Missouri and Nebraska and Colorado, these great, you know, universities. I've talked a lot, this, a lot about this on the radio. Houston's a commuter school. UCF, USF, those are commuter schools. Cincinnati, I don't think is as much. But, you know, you've got Xavier where all the people go in Cincinnati if you really want to go to a really good school. Uh, but they've got better enrollment. But the point is, we know, like, what David Bourne's position is on things. He wants to be a part of a conference that, you know, has great academics, that has an active campus life, that has research facilities, uh, that, that, that is part of a community. I don't think David Bourne looks at Houston and says, oh, that's a great academic institution we'd love to be a part of. No, that's people, you know, going to that school that are working part-time jobs. Other, It's a glorified version of, um, you know, like a... Uh, not like a DeVry or something like that, but it's it's a four-year it's a four-year version of most junior colleges is what it is really. Yeah, the thing that always you know people I think don't ever really stop to think about, and you know they kind of rip on Bourne, always oh, worried about the academics. People don't understand the money that comes in from like federal grants and funding from the academic side makes all this college football money look small. Like it's not, it's just not even comparable if you get into those big research grants and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, like when Nebraska went to the Big Ten, it was a big deal because they were a research school. So, yeah, David you know, Bourne, he, he raises billions of dollars. Exactly. Not, not hundreds of millions. He raises billions of dollars. Like yeah. the football stadium fundraising, that is pales in comparison to what kind of money David Bourne is used to bringing in. Absolutely. And like I said, I think people lose sight of that and they think, oh, this is just some academic agenda. No, it's for the whole university. Like it's not just his little pie in the sky idea. It keeps the university afloat. Like, so you have to understand it from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like Houston could end up being that like that final thing that that I, that maybe finally breaks the Texas OU kind of like alliance. Like yeah. officially, they're like, okay, this is done because Houston does nothing but hurt Oklahoma. There's nothing they bring to the table that is good for Oklahoma. And Texas has already come out and spoken against them or for them. So, I mean, at some point you wonder if OU's like, you know what, they're – we're getting nothing from this relationship. All it's doing is hurting us. And, and diluting what, the brand that we have. Exactly. 
I almost wonder if the, with the schools that they're looking at, Boren couldn't go and you know try to set up almost some sort of um, you know for lack of a better term like a divorce proceeding from the Big Twelve. This is what we're stuck with, one of the most traditional powers in the country, and because of what's happened We've with just our been ranked the number two team in the history of the eight, the Associated Press. Yeah, and we've got to hang out with you know maybe USF or UCF, who you know doesn't have one season that matches matches our tenth word. Hey, maybe University of Phoenix will fill the team. We could put them in the Big Twelve next year. Well, Soso Jamabo tried to go there a couple years ago. <laughs> That's right. That's a nice talent. That's a name that I have not uh, remembered he, in hey, quite a while. He played last year. Did he? He played a lot, yeah. The, He's going to be a good one. Where, what, is, what is the Big 12, or what is Oklahoma's next step then? I mean, because if, if this is all happening, it seems like it's going to happen relatively pretty quickly in that they're, still, they're looking at teams, they're going to make some kind of an announcement, I would think, before the season actually begins. Uh, is there a chance that OU's starting to – think that maybe this isn't the best fit for them and they and they start moving off i mean I, I just don't understand what happens in between now and the next month that would i i mean i guess make a decision on the next 20 30 years of oklahoma athletics i can tell you there absolutely are people behind the scenes that are looking at what their options would be outside of the big 12 and i'm talking immediate options i mean if you get espn and fox coming in saying, look, if you want to add Houston and Cincinnati and you know South Florida and BYU, that's not good enough for us. We're not going to give you, uh, you know, the $20 million per team. And when this next contract comes up, we're probably not, you know, we're, we're probably not going to pay you on par what we have been paying the Big 12 over the history of the conference. I mean, if that happens... I think OU has a legitimate shot of just vacating the Big 12. Yeah, well, here's the big problem for OU. Each of these cases, one by one, and if you look at them individually, I don't know how you can convince Oklahoma that any of these schools help them. How can you take Oklahoma football and add Houston to make them better, or South Florida or Cincinnati? It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Oklahoma is fine with 10 teams in the Big 12. You saw it last year. If they have a good season, if they win the Big 12 and have one loss, they're going to be in the playoff. So they don't really care – or. For their intents and purposes, they don't care what the Big 12 is. The problem is, if you look at the Big 12 as a part of Oklahoma's brand and that it's hurting it, in the long run, if you just sit on your hands, that's going to be a problem too. You can't just sit here at 10 teams and then you know, 10 years down the road you have these super conferences with 16 teams and then the Big 12's brand is dropped down a peg and then what happens to OU? So short term, yeah, OU sees no reason to add these teams, but long term, what what possibly can you you can't just sit here at ten teams long term in the Big Twelve something has to change inevitably right this can't just stay stagnant. Well, I, I, that, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Well, that's why I, I was kind of talking about like this almost feels like Boren's forcing the Big 12's hand because Joe's exactly right in that it's it's probably better theoretically for OU to stay at ten in the short term, but at the same time they they've got to know they've got to grow they 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 just have to know that. And for this to be the best that can be offered, Oklahoma has to feel like we don't have to be part of that. Like we shouldn't have to be, you know, submitted with these, you know, second tier academic, athletic. You know, they're just not going to feel like they're on that level. So I and you know, you talked about it, Joe. Boren is one of the main proponents of expansion. Like I almost feel like he's pushing this wheel. Toward the cliff, like he knows. He was the first one to come out and say, "We need to move to twelve teams. We need to have a television deal." Exactly. So, like, if he can shove it down that road far enough, and it just crashes, well, then hey, we get to walk on this deal. Well, and, and look, I have been all over the not really all over the map on this deal, but from the beginning, I've I've been distraught ever since Nebraska and A and M left. I mean, in Missouri, Colorado, I didn't really care. But when you lose those four teams, I knew right from the beginning, there's no way that you can replace those teams. And the other thing about the, that's been bothering the athletic department for a long time is home football games. Like, when you go out and sell season tickets, there are not enough attractive matchups Absolutely. for them to go out and tell people, we're going to raise your ticket prices, or we're going to charge more for these donor seats. There is not an attractive enough schedule with TCU and Baylor Every once in a while, you get Oklahoma State, which we all know historically has been considered a you know one of the minor big games at OU. It wasn't Nebraska, it wasn't Texas. Uh, it 
it plays into so many different things. So I thought from the beginning, like, and I think Oklahoma a couple of years ago, they they knew that their best option was to leave, even if it was even if it was for the SEC. I think they screwed up the first time around by not taking that option because they wanted the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. I think the more that they've looked at it, the SEC has become a better option. Uh, and I felt that way from the beginning. But then when we go down to Dallas for media days, I'm telling myself, like, how dumb is it if Oklahoma and Texas can't figure this thing out to have a home base like Dallas, to be able to do everything through Dallas? I mean, the SEC doesn't really have a city and a home base like Dallas. I mean, sure, they have Florida, they have Atlanta, um, you know, but all that stuff spread out. There's no real home base. There's a lot of great recruits in that part of the country, obviously. But there's such an advantage that the Big 12 could have if they could just get their crap together. But at the same time, unless they're going to pull an Arizona, Arizona State or somebody like that from the Pac-12, I'm left right now feeling like after all this has been said and done, their only real true option is to go to the SEC. Uh, it will continue to elevate their brand as a national power. The fans will be excited, I think, to be in a conference like that where there's so much passion, even so much craziness. Uh, if you want to have another word, passion is always that word people use for just idiot redneck fans when they don't want to say that. But I think that would be a good thing. I mean, I think it'd be a good thing for Oklahoma to be involved in a conference where other fan bases are just as passionate there. Because yeah. let's face it, TCU is not that way. Baylor has never been that way. Uh, Texas is the only one that matches. Oklahoma State fans have done a really good job uh, supporting their stadium and all that stuff. But there's nothing like what you see in the SEC from a, 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 a program-to-program basis. It was it was completely mind blowing to go down to Knoxville and see, you know, just not not that they haven't been good the last couple of years, but to see the passion that those fans do have and fill the place up, hundred thousand strong or whatever yeah. they had, it was really it was really really impressive. It's a, it is truly a religion. I mean, yeah. football is truly a religion in the SEC. No matter where you go, now Mississippi State's a dump, Starkville's a dump, but you know people at Ole Miss are very passionate. I mean. Yeah. LSU people are insane. Florida, Georgia. I mean, it just, it fits. Even, it's helped Arkansas, I would say, dramatically being in the SEC. And it's, the only school that it's hurt is Missouri. <laughs> well, they still made it to an SEC championship game. That's yeah. true. That's true. They've been the best in the East. I think it's really interesting what you're talking about, Carrie, and the scheduling of games and stuff. You know, it, it's almost like, is that the decision that Josie, David Boren, even, even Stoops made? when they decided that they're going to go out and schedule all these non-con games, it's because they have to even out the price at some point. You have to bring in a Tennessee because you bring in an Iowa State and Kansas in the same year. Well, I think that was their philosophy from the BCS. Now, Houston, they didn't expect them to be what yeah, they are now. Yeah. I mean, this is a ridiculous schedule. It's not like you're going to start seeing them scheduling two you know, top 15 teams every year. So, uh, But, I mean, their schedule set. We know what it is. Yeah. I mean, you join the SEC. Actually, you know what? If you join the SEC... You look at those schedules, because I was looking at them the other day, it's appalling how bad their non-conference schedules are in the That's SEC. That's terrible. I mean, they hide that that one non-conference game late in the season because they're all playing, you know, FCS teams. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, outside of that, Alabama supports them by playing a marquee game. That's why South Carolina and Georgia open the season, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, they, they do. They have an SEC game to open the season every I think it yeah. was... Uh, A&M, remember it was A&M in, in South Carolina last one year when yeah. Kenny Hill... Yeah, or two years ago. Yeah, No, it was last year. Was that just last year? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Or, no. That was no. two years ago. Two years, because yeah. he sat out last year. He was Alabama right. and West Virginia. was, or It wasn't a conference game, but... there. So, yeah, I mean, it's... it's. You talk about Oklahoma, that poll coming out, number two program of all time. In the Big 12, they're becoming... You know the small, you're the big fish in the small pond. More and more, increasingly, and you know more and more. And Baylor, I don't expect them to recover anytime soon from what's going on. I think that schedule point was just great, Kerry, because you get away from the money aspect, the TV aspect, the the conference, and all that kind of stuff. If you just worry about the fans, the fans of college football, what do they care about? When they see that schedule come out, and all of a sudden they see LSU on the schedule, they see Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, they see those teams coming in on a regular basis, year after year. 
they're more excited about the team. They're more excited yeah. about the program. It's going to help. And yes, it's harder to win a national championship, but it hasn't been easy the last fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard no matter where you are. You got to have the best team in the country. So, I mean, I think if you're Oklahoma, who's had that mentality, that you know, old Pat Hill Fresno State mentality, play anybody anywhere, the SEC makes sense. And you know, you you've heard the concerns over the recruiting. Is it too dirty? Can Oklahoma go into that kind of stuff or the academic side of it? But there are programs in the SEC that. Uh, have better reputations than others. I mean, Vanderbilt's in the SEC. Florida's got a good reputation as a public school. There are schools inside the SEC that still can help that brand um, academically. I mean, not help, but not hurt academically. So, I I mean, I I think from a nuts and bolts standpoint, the SEC makes sense for college football fans, for OU fans. Josh, any last thoughts before we let you go? Have you got your dogs corralled? The dogs are corralled. I, you guys are going to make me be on this island, and that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm i a Pac-12 guy, man. I, that's where I, I, I think it's better all the way around. But I certainly get the appeal of the SEC, and I definitely think that's better than any current format of the Big 12 you can currently see. Like The question for me becomes, say OU goes to the SEC – who do they take with them? Like, who it, does it have to be Oklahoma State? Because they're not bringing anything to the table as far as I think from it would, the SEC's I think point it of view. Would be Oklahoma State unless Texas tried to wiggle their way in there. I, to me, that's the perfect scenario is if they can get Texas to go in too, because then OU doesn't have to fight Texas head up anymore. They've got all these programs that have just as much money and just as much power and all these other things. So Texas can't just bully their way things through which always hurts OU the most because they're their direct rivals. So to me, that, that I, I get that to A&M would then become you know a conference rival, and Oklahoma still kind of has that connection to Texas. But to me, you need somebody else. Like and I don't know if it's TCU. Certainly wouldn't be Baylor right now. Like I think it would almost have to be Texas to really make that work and make. You know, you talked about Arkansas. I feel like Arkansas has been hurt by the SEC. I feel like they're. I, 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 I just know. meant I just, from the interest standpoint. I mean, I think there's as much yeah, interest in okay. Arkansas yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as I probably misunderstood been. then. Yeah, and from that aspect, I get it. But from an on field, they're, they're not. I mean, people don't. I, I think. Joe, I mean, Joe and Andy probably don't realize Arkansas was once like a national power. Like they were a huge program. And now, I mean, they're hoping to finish third or fourth in their own division. I mean, that's going to be a pretty good year for them. Nixon was at the Texas game in 69, right? Yeah. Wow. Nice. Booyah. Nice, Joe. It's because there's a president involved. That's that poli sci coming through. I honestly don't pay attention to the state of Arkansas. Like they just kind of, besides giving us John Daly and Bill Clinton, they doesn't do much for me. They have a lot of really hot women in that state Arkansas? for some reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, they do actually. Because you've been to baseball, you've been to a lot of baseball games. I mean, you ever? I mean, like if you ever go to Tulsa, yeah, like Arkansas is playing it, just like hot chicks. Everywhere. They gave us Emma Bradford. One of my. They did. So I take that back. I like Arkansas. Sorry, Emma. <laughs> now, we were having this discussion while I was in that, the, the trip in Austin this weekend. Where is the line nationally? There's a line where the proportion of really attractive women falls off dramatically. Mm. Like, because, and I, what always makes me think of it is an old Lewis Baker quote. And Lewis is talking to me about going to his Notre Dame visit, how much he loved that it, it was so great. And then I was like, well, you know, because he was leaning to OU and he and I were close and I knew it was pretty much a done deal. I said, well, you know, is, is, is that going to change your stance on OU? And he goes, no, man, you should have seen the girls. They're ugly, man. I can't go there with all those ugly girls, man. It was bad. And that was the, like, I, I wasn't very well traveled at that point in time. I hadn't seen much. And so it was kind of, you know, I was kind of like, wow, okay, it's a big difference. And then as you see it, you're like, wow, there, there really is that line, and it's it's somewhere around... The women get harsher the more you get to the Northeast. It's like... Oh, a, yeah. It's some... Like, Boston is like the bottom of the barrel. Like, and New York is just like... It, if you can find someone that speaks English, then maybe you can get in a relationship with them. <laughs> so, it goes somewhere like... Ohio, they get trashier, but maybe a little bit more pretty. Michigan, they're still kind of trashy. Um, Chicago, it's not all that great. I mean, it's it's okay in Chicago, I is guess. It, I think it's the I forty line, north and south. But there is some, there is some like somewhere in. Although I'll say this, all the trips we made to Columbia over the year, every time we're broadcasting in a bar, there are a lot of hot chicks in Columbia, At Missouri. Yeah, got all those. That's news like home chicks. of half the beautiful blonde women in like so, the state of Missouri. Yeah, I think it's somewhere like Arkansas, Missouri. 
comes down. Maybe it, it kind of cuts off most of Kansas, and then it comes back in Oklahoma and Texas, and like uh, New Mexico's not included, but it skips New Mexico and goes to Arizona somehow. I think just everybody that I've always thought, and everybody then you're out that, west, where everybody that just, goes to Arizona and Arizona State, they're not from Tucson or Tempe. Those were just oh, the, they fly in the only schools in. that they could get in, pretty much. Probably it's kind of like why all the girls are hot in Lubbock. Yeah, it's the exactly. dumb party school. No, it's exactly right. This is like a Ted movie conversation. We've dissed Arizona State, like Ted too, for those who have seen it. I need to and see then, that because I've heard it's not bad. It's not bad. If you like the first one, the second one's all right. And, I've and heard the, the Tom one, Brady stuff is is glorious. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> and then Carrie dissing Boston women is pretty much Ted's gigantic Ted rant. Oh yeah, harder, exactly, harder. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I do radio with a guy from Baltimore, so he confers that all women on the East are just terrible looking. Which I think the only pe- person, only good looking girl I know from Boston is Sam Gannon. At yeah, Fox 25. from Fox, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably... Oh, actually, I knew a girl in college. She was from uh, Boston, I think, or Massachusetts, somewhere like that. Hmm. She was cool. All right, well, this has been a whirlwind podcast. I think we've hit on some good stuff, I mean, information-wise, but I also think we entertained, which is the goal. A good, good balance. Sure. Like I said, we really appreciate everybody who's tuning in. Uh, it's been more and more each and every podcast. We're, we're now making this more consistent. There'll be even more coming. I know I'm going to have a, a go in another one-on-one coming up tomorrow. Might post in a couple days with Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. That'd be good. Uh, so we're going to do a podcast uh, together coming up here in the next couple of days. And uh, <laughs> we really do appreciate everybody listening. The site stuff, just to talk about that real quick. Uh, the message boards, we apologize that those went down yesterday. Uh, you do have your hover feature back. Uh, the width thing is going to be fixed where your width will stick to where you want it to be. Uh, that's going to be in another update. Hopefully it doesn't crash our entire website again. Uh, but, yeah, we, we get just as frustrated with that stuff as you guys. So, But we do apologize. Even though we can't really control it, You know, we feel bad and we get mad. So just so you know, we don't, we're not always happy when that stuff goes down. So I, I'm sure Josh can concur. Yeah, you know, we, we always get those complaints. And I'm like, guys, you have, like, Carrie and I are literally DMing on Twitter, just, like, smoke coming out of our ears. And people are like, I'm so upset. You have no idea. I mean, because it, not only is it, I mean, this is how we make our living, and it's beyond our control to fix, but it's just madness. And we certainly understand why You why can yell at upset, us, and we yell at rivals. That's exactly, basically how it exactly. So just know it, your anger is transferred right through us into people at rivals. It's one of the few times I think shit actually rolls uphill instead. So Josh is the cusser of this podcast. Congratulations. Bam. His turn. Eddie's been a cusser. Josh has been a cusser. And I think shit was the word both times. Well, you got to be really into it to go for the home run. I mean, that, that's really got to be something happening. All right. Well, we'll end it on that. Uh, no penis picks, uh, but some curse words. So for Josh McQuistian at his home base and his dogs, Eddie Radosevich, Joe Duvall, thanks for coming into studio. I am Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time on another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast.